Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Good. I, uh, I was just watching the music video for In Excess's Mediate, hmm. which won the MTV Music Video Award for something, best, best video, back in the old times. I don't know if you remember Mediate, the song, but it's the one where... Um, where they just say words that rhyme with mediate oh, over yeah. uh, a, like all, all along. It doesn't have a chorus. And the video is them standing in some kind of industrial area doing the Bob Dylan uh, Don't Look Back. Uh, I was just going to say, it sounds like a subterranean <laughs> we didn't start the fire type situation. That's exactly right. And he just, but they actually do, they actually cop the, the like <laughs> word on a piece of paper oh. flip thing. <laughs> That's fresh. <laughs> and uh, and I remember and they won an award, and I remember, and this is you know this is the era, of course, where they were also wearing like jeans, strate- strategically ripped knees, mm-hmm. and little round glasses, and uh, and the sixties were gonna, <laughs> <laughs> uh huh, it was so awful, and you know this is what passed for this was what passed for like like culture when we were we were just we were at the dawn of our lives we were sitting there just like what's going to happen to us what amazing thing is going to happen to us this was the best part of it can, can I, I i mean i, I don't want to watch the video while we're recording can i i'm just going to guess can i guess some words okay go ahead watergate no i don't think so cheese great mm, cheese great no let me hear do you want me to read them to you mm, sure <laughs> hallucinate okay desegregate Except segregate. It's spelled desegregate. Mm-hmm. Mediate, right? That's the title of the song. Mediate. Alleviate. Mm-hmm. And here's the. I was. I, I remember the first time I heard the song. I was listening. I was like, all right, all right. Segregate. I'm behind that. Yeah. Mediate. And then the fifth thing it says, the fifth lyric is try not to hate. Try not to hate. Try not to hate. Try not to hate. And that doesn't uh, doesn't really rhyme with mediate. Giving up kind of early on that one, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, it's like try not to hate, but not try not to hate. Try not to hate. Love your mate. Mm. Don't suffocate on your own hate. Ugh. All right, we've already used hate in try not to hate. Don't suffocate on your own hate. I mean, for this for this to work, it has to be a like a okay. We'll take it as read. These all need to rhyme with me. Yeah, okay. but like you got to build a little story out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, like you right. don't want to be repeating a lot of stuff in the first act. Like no. that's not good storytelling. Designate your love as fate. Uh, what what the fuck does that mean? Well, see, that's some Australian shit, right? Designate there. your love as fate. Richard Nixon, Watergate, geez, <laughs> great on a plane. One world state. Now it's getting a little oh, bit boy. creepy. That's right? getting real now. <laughs> As human freight, the number eight. <laughs> okay, it goes downhill from there. Uh-huh. I was I was hoping. What the reason I got started listening to the song is I was hoping that it said innovate. Oh sure. Because come on, I'm looking for every opportunity I can to get in on this innovation uh, sphere. Yeah. And I wanted it to say innovate so that I could repurpose the song. As a kind of, as a kind of pain to uh, innovation. Oh, this is not good. Mm-mm. 
Depreciate, like, fabricate, emulate the truth, dilate. Yeah. Like pretty Kate has sex ornate. What? Now devastate, appreciate? Mm-hmm. Depreciate, fabricate, emulate the truth, dilate. Yeah. He, then he starts to repeat because he's, he feels like he's, he's said it all. Liberate, uh, to liberate, 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 liberate annihilate, liberate. atomic fate. Mm. Oh, that's a little, it gets a little bit of the oh, Cold man. War shit in there. Sure. Current is today's headlines. Yeah, but, uh, but, but, but no innovate in all yeah. of that. Designate, He's, designate your love. John, what's the message of this song? Is it, is it, is it one of those like uh, right now Van Halen type mm-hmm. songs where it's just, it feels or like a right here, right now? Is it yeah. supposed to be like, like shit is real. This is happening. Yeah, that's right. That's, I think that's exactly right. It's, it, 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 it's political without actually saying anything about what should be different, let alone what already is there. Yeah, it touches on some things. Desegregation. It touches on one, one world government, which I'm not sure they fully understood what they were saying. Gravitate the Earth's own weight. It, uh, there's a lot of pro-sex talk. At right? 98, like, we all rotate. And I don't know whether that was 1998 he meant or at 98 miles per second. Or at ninety eight degrees on the. I don't think this got a second pass, John. I think this is this is parametric pressure. Yeah. Well, guilt debate. The edge serrate. A better rate. The youth irate. See, it's got irate youth in there. Mm-hmm. So it did. It. I think it was a time when you could just see. A couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember, Jonathan Colton and I made a uh, a Christmas album. I do. We have your ornament. And. Um, Oh, you're, you have one of the few ornaments that didn't break in shipping. I bought, uh, we bought the box. My daughter puts things in it. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, we needed a Hanukkah song. Oh, right. Sure. And so... Uh, this, we, is, this is, this is the, the, the one truly great uh, Hanukkah song. Yeah, the one truly great Hanukkah <laughs> song, other than uh, Dreidel, 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 is... Um, which isn't a Hanukkah song. I know, I know, I know. So, uh <laughs> Um, um, it's uh, uh, I, I we wrote Wikipedia Hanukkah, which was me reading the Wikipedia entry for Hanukkah mm-hmm. over a funky jam, and I thought, in the spirit of In Excess's Mediate, this was going to be a this going to be a smash hit. Uh huh. And uh, and like people accused me of phoning it in on that song. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> yeah, but also. I spent a lot of time learning how to pronounce those biblical era. It's not like you just pulled it up in a tribes. browser in the studio and started reading. <laughs> you had to do some uh, Talmudic scholarship. I did. I had to tumult it, and uh, and so I'm a little mad actually. That yeah. I mean, you know, that NXS could get. I mean, they have a they have a million and a half views of this of this song, and uh, look. It doesn't even look like I'm just looking at the thumbnail. That it's in yeah. color. He's on the wrong side of the screen. It doesn't. It doesn't look like subterranean homesick blues, except at all. It, at all. And 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 they they've all got their de- they've all got various denims on, and various like, you know, you remember the band World Party? No, huh? He's got he's got Carl uh, Wallenheimer glasses. Got Carl Wallenheimer. Wallen glasses. Wallinger Walling Wallenhammer. Wallinger hammer. Send me from tomorrow. I don't want to sail on this ship of fools. <laughs> that guy's great. I love the yeah. Water Boys. John, are, he was in the Water Boys. That's the same guy from the Water Boys. Not the same guy. Mike Scott's the main guy. Oh, cause uh, Comrade Stalin said they become too westernized. That, that's Mike Scott. 
You're uh, telling me that the other guy from the Water Boys is the guy from World Party? Uh-huh. I had no idea. The guy with the NXS glasses. Whoa. Yep. Mind blown. <laughs> Did you I thought just... World Party just came out of nowhere. No. I just thought they were just like, you know, like. World Water Boys were very, they, they had important music. Mm-hmm. They, their music was very important. It felt, so it felt the seeds. Yeah. I think Hole of the Moon is one of the great songs. It's a wonderful song. I saw the crescent. You know, there's a lot of jingle jangle in that. Actually, you see him called Wallenheimer. You can see him banging on the keyboard in that video. My God, he's banging on the keyboard no less. You see the hole of the moon. Did you get the image I sent you? Well, let me see here. I can send it to you on Skype, but then you'd have to log in. I don't see it in the, the papers I have there, here. John's adjusting his papers. <laughs> I'm looking through my papers. I don't see any images that you sent me. Oh, I sent you on the text. Uh, oh, oh, texting. I stopped sending things in Skype because it wants you to log in, even though you're already using Skype. So I stopped sending things to you in oh, Skype. What is this here? Yeah, du- give it a give it. Look at that on the big screen. Oh dear. Hello. I'm. Um, oh my goodness. I'm so proud of my daughter for this, this is project. Win a big award. My my daughter did every stitch of this herself. Well, yes. except for one important part that I want you notice the one thing. <laughs> okay. what, did, did, did she she didn't also buy the black electrical tape or whatever she's no, using she used, to mount I mean, she all used this my stuff. gorilla tape. I let her use some. Uh-huh. No, but this is okay, so she killed it with this. Oh my god. Facts about arrow pointing to mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart. When she was when mm. she was a teen, she cut her hair inch by inch so her mom didn't notice. So what John is looking at is a large poster board. Uh, uh, for her, Amelia Earhart. You have to do a, a project on somebody that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And so she did it on Amelia Earhart. And so I helped her out. I helped her find some photos and stuff like that. But I also... Um, I like her handwriting very much. But do, do, you, do you appreciate there just slightly right of center what she, what she taped onto the page? Is it a... I'm, no, I'm not. I'm it's, the not first page, it's the first page of Amelia Earhart's oh. Wikipedia entry. Oh, yeah. I know. I did see that. That was right out of my playbook. <laughs> I, Here's I, my report. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she did some original scholarship. We watched a documentary. She drew clouds. She yeah. she drew, uh, what's the name of that island? That uh, The island, she broad, what's it called? Uh, I forget uh, the name of it. Uh, Ricky Tiki Tavi. Ricky Tiki Tavi, the island near Hawaii that looks like a steak. That was a very small island. That was a hard target to hit. Steak Island. Hard target. But so so I see this. I walk in, and I'm like, oh, my God. You did everything on this except the letters. Mommy helped you with the letters. And she's like, no, she did the letters, too. And they're pretty good. She used a one as an L. I think they're great. Isn't this a nice report? It's nice, but what are you going to do about that? the fact that... <laughs> That the the page is just a copy from Wikipedia. <laughs> well, now if you go and read, yeah, Amelia or so this is her. Here's her report part. She always liked quote unquote boy stuff. When she yeah. was a kid, she and the neighborhood kids made a roller coaster, and et cetera. And she wouldn't. I was. She. I, I didn't even. I said, don't even correct the spelling. This is perfect. Put this up. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I do. It's funny because like an idiot, I always forget about. Two, when I'm printing and I do print, I forget yes. two things. I forget about comments and I forget about footnotes. So I go to print a recipe, and I think, oh, no problem. I can see this is like, well, it's going to be three, four pages. I forget about the comments. So, oh, the, uh, oh, so it just starts printing and printing. And in print. this case, I forgot about footnotes. So I printed out the 58 pages of Amelia Earhart's Wikipedia entry just so we could refer to it and fact check. God. Yeah. Comments. Or footnotes. Comments or footnotes. It's a kind of footnote, I suppose. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't print. It's one of those things you should know about me. I didn't used to print, but I print now. I don't print. I don't fax. Yeah. I don't. 
I don't print, sign, and process, fax back. buy, sell anything that's I processed, don't print, collate, or I don't staple. I don't. All I know is I can't figure it all out tonight, sir. I just want to hang with your daughter. <laughs> I, we watch. Yeah, you know it's funny. You know what we watched like literally yesterday. I'll tell you what we watched literally yesterday. We watched Sad Sweet. We no. We watched. I heard that's better than it seems. We watched Sad Sweetheart of the Rodeo, featuring uh, a young John Roderick. Isn't that nice? Oh, you did not. Well, you see my pivot there. I'm pivoting on Ioni Sky. Yeah. That's, Ioni, a great, that's a very, very fun video. It's a fun video. I feel like if you watch the Sad Sweetheart of the Rodeo video, you will, you'll, if you're following along the narrative at all, you're going to notice right in the sort of center, the heart of the, the, heart of the, the, the film. The, the filmic experience. There's a, you know, and, and, this, and that music video cost, are you ready? $500,000. Wow. It looks expensive. Well, the thing, the thing that sucks about it is the copy that's up is really kind of crappy quality. But I remember I watched that from the first time I was aware of you and aware of Harvey Danger and your relationship and all that stuff. I love that video. I thought it was a great video. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It was, that's it London. Was, London. Was that London? Or, oh, no. Recoupable. 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 That's oh, right. So it was, it was at the very tail end of a time when you would spend $500,000 on a music video. Wow. Um, and you would hire a Hollywood actress to be in it. Hollywood actress in it, and you know, and the guy that was making the video, right? It was the, like that was his year. He was that was, he was getting he was getting paid. Everybody was getting paid. Yeah, I didn't get paid. Mm-mm. But right at the center of the film, the narrative, of course, spoiler alert, is a woman who's daydreaming about having a. a different, better, more interesting life than the one she has. And she keeps fantasizing. They slowly introduce these elements that are a little magically real where like more and more, like she starts hallucinating things that about cowboys that are taking place in her office space. Yeah. She's in her her office. Everything's starting to get get rodeoed. Right. Rodeo and out. And so Ioni sky current wife of Ben Lee, the Australian guitar player currently. Yeah. And, uh, and daughter, I don't know if you knew this, daughter Donovan, of Donovan. Who you're friends with on Facebook. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, and I'm, I'm friends with Ben and Ioni, mm-hmm. although I haven't seen her in a long time. Not since she tied me up in this music video. Yeah. But halfway You get tied up in a lot of videos. We watch Blue Diamonds after that. You get tied up in Blue I, Diamonds, too. I do too. get tied up in that video, actually. Yeah. The more I think about it, I'm, that should have been a theme running through all my videos, and now I'm <laughs> super embarrassed that I didn't think of that you 15 had, years ago. You had the ago. precedent. There was. I could have just been like, every video I'm tied up. That would have made my videos better because I wouldn't have been fucking dancing around. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Halfway right through the, the heart, video. Right at the heart of the film, there's a moment when she opens the door to her boss's office and she, she's walking in to deliver some papers to her boss. She opens the door, but instead of her boss's office, it's a long dirt walk across a rodeo field and her boss is sitting at his desk wearing a cowboy hat and she she makes the walk and puts the papers on his desk and then there's then it switches the scene switches or something uh-huh. but that's that's a that's a key moment in establishing the character of the boss mm. the boss is me i am the boss and if you watch the video very closely you I see her walk that i never see, got that see her walk across the field why would you wear a short sleeve shirt if you're the boss? Well, because it's cowboy. It's cowboy boss. Mm. When you're tied up at the end, you're, you look like you work for NASA. Well, so this is the here's the this is the problem, right? You don't <laughs> make a connection between the 
between Cowboy Boss in the middle of the film and the person getting tied up at the end, the guy getting tied up at the end just seems like a coworker. I, I, well, I, I've seen this. I've seen this a dozen times. I've yeah. never made that connection. So there I am. I'm Are you the in the scene with the cowboy hat as the boss? I, I am the cowboy hat boss. Huh. But you would never know it because the shot was made from like eighty feet away. I never so got she, it. She walks across the field. She puts her papers on the desk. The boss is sitting there with his hat on. That's me. I'm sitting there. I spent an entire day sitting in that field for that two second shot. Ugh. And I said at the time, you know, like I'm not a guy that's going to sit around a music video shoot and not offer a few suggestions. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I said, hey, I think you want one close-up shot on the boss and her putting the papers down on his desk to establish what's happening here. Because yeah. this is, this, this is, this is going to be a callback later. You're going to want it to be clear who right. she's tying up at the end. You can't even really see your face at the end either. It does not read as John Roderick. Uh, that's uh, what do they call that uh, with the, the little three point tie? What's that called? Hog, not hogtied. What do they call oh, that? Yeah, like hogtied. Yeah, but like when you tie the, the calves like three limbs together. Hogtied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't read as you. It does not read as cowboy hat boss. Mm-mm. And they they didn't take your note on that. Uh, the guy who was making the music video, who was about who was about eleven hours older than I was, <laughs> um, he had it all figured out. He was a big-time Hollywood mu- music video director, getting paid $500,000, and I was the keyboard player in the band. <laughs> and so, no, nobody took my note. And then the video came out, and it was like, hey, good job. It doesn't make – there's no story here. You had a story. Now it's just a series of coll- – it's just a bunch of collected images all piled on top of each other. There's no – That's a different that – that is a different video because that is a story. That is that she triumphs sure. at the end rather than just seeming like she's um, – deranged exactly right because Because that became real if she's just tying up some co-worker who's standing in front of the copy machine then she's a lunatic you look more like an intern like she's tying up the intern yeah and this video is a tragedy Mm. whereas if you had established the boss character then yes this video is like a revenge fantasy she's she is the triumphant hero so also, I, I mean, like not class, worth five hundred grand. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I hear, I know, I hear you. That's rough. That recoupable. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> also, you know, there's the great tradition. Uh, whether you're talking about an '80s movie or an '80s video or many other '80s things, there's like the the the, the mean boss. Now, I'm not just talking nine to five. I'm talking yeah. about like the kind of like ooh, the dean who eventually jumps in the pool, like the dean wormer. Yeah. Dean wormer. Like you've got to establish that. You've got to show her being oppressed. Yes. by this guy. The, yep. If there's anyone who is the uh, antagonist, uh, if it exists, it's either her reality or maybe her boyfriend. Because her boyfriend, you know, she's sitting on the couch with. Mm-hmm. He's pretty dull. You know, the, the Mike Squires is in that music video, and he gets a nice antagonistic moment. How many takes which, did it take? To get Mike Squires? <laughs> Sorry, just digging up old wounds. Oh, I see, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he gets in there uh, with his little like he 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 gives her a covetous glance. Oh, nice! As they uh, as they pass in the copy room, he is a coworker, a, a lascivious coworker, and uh, looks at her salaciously. And so he got a little star turn, Mike Squires. Oh, nice! But I was just a you know I you could have had a paper doll in, yeah. in place of me. Isn't that a shame? It's just it's a damn shame. You have to you have to really scrabble. Yeah, sure. To even see me. 
uh, I think we start our, da- our daughter a little bit because it's the scene where it's Sean, <laughs> my favorite part of the song, my favorite part of the video. Sean, you know, Sean, God, he's such a performer. He can't not be performing. He's so True. big and he's, and he's tall. He sits down on the couch and as one, my wife and I, we haven't listened to this song on purpose, not because we don't like it, just because it hasn't come up in a while. But as one, we both go, um, the Marlboro Man died of cancer. <laughs> and he wasn't, wasn't a rocket scientist when he was alive. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and my daughter looked at us like we were out of our minds. <laughs> yep. A lot um, of flavor. He's got a lot of flavor. Puts a lot of spin on the ball. Well, then we watched you guys. This is the weirdest lineup. A lineup of you guys, and you were hugging some lady. It was for a Seattle TV show. What a, it was a weird fucking lineup. Mm. It was you, Sean, Michael on drums, and Handsome Guy on bass. Yeah. I don't know what. Now, when is that from? So, a couple of years ago. Why wasn't Eric? Why wasn't. Oh, this is. Oh, this is the Redux. It's the Redux. <gasps> That's yeah. why no Eric. Okay. Yeah, it's the 2016. No, 2013. I never remember his name, but he was always nice and very handsome. He's very, very handsome. Well, tell, tell me his name. Uh, you sure you don't remember his name? Come on. Bo. Hasn't he stayed at your house? Sh- yes. Sh- sh- per. 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 T- t- <laughs> Bob, Bobby? No, it's, uh, his name is Andy Fitz. Oh. He's one of the great musicians of Seattle. Andy Fitz has played on a lot of records. He's so calm. He's extremely. He's calm and calming. He's a wonderful guy. He's going through a little guy. bit of a hard time right now. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm meeting him later today. As a matter of fact. Oh, please tell him I said hi. Well, here's the here, I got. So I have a problem. Yeah. <clears throat> the problem is, um, last night, I got an email from uh, from a friend. Uh, you may know, you may have heard of mm-hmm. George Meyer. Founder of The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, right. He's sick, right? No, no, no. That's the other founder of The Simpsons, and he passed away. Okay. Great tragedy. George was his friend, but also one of the, one of the developers of The Simpsons. Yeah, right. He, he ever <clears throat> sent me a nice email. He said, you want to go to a baseball game? I said, yeah, I do want to go to a baseball game. He said, great. Any day this week, uh, good? And I said, you know what? Any day this week, I will go to a baseball game. And he said, great. I'll get right back to you. When I take a look at the schedule and I said, awesome. And then I was very excited. I was going to a baseball game with George. Nothing wrong with that. Walked around for a few hours thinking about the baseball game with George. I was going to go to sometime this week. Then I get a message from my friend, Andy Fitz, who's one of my favorite musicians, a lovely man. He said, going through a little bit of a thing. Want to get together for some something, something. And I was like, of course, I want to be there for my friend Andy. I want to meet up. I want to get maybe a bowl of pho, talk about some stuff, hmm. throw it around, two guys, mano a mano. So I was like, well, let's get together tomorrow. It seems like we should, you know, the, the, the conversation should just get commenced upon. Right? Yeah. When somebody's like having a time. Extremely long together. here. I'm kind of scared where this is going. Immediately, I get an email from George saying, you want to go to the baseball game tomorrow night? And I'm like, but I just made a plan. I didn't have anything to do all week. Uh, This is how it always happens. I just made a plan to go hang out with my friend who's going through a patch. And now that's the exact time that George wants to go to the baseball game. And now, oh, no. 
right? Because I don't want to, you know, you don't want to say no to anybody. You don't want to go, you don't want to call your friend who's having a hard time and say, can you postpone your hard time? Well, and it sounds like the reason you're going to give him sounds like <clears throat> you're trying to get out of it. Yeah, right. Oh, my friend's having a hard time. I told him I had to go hang out. George is going to be like, I thought you said you were free all week. It's like you couldn't bring yourself to say my kid's sick. Like, that's too Yeah, lame. right. Oh, you having a, uh, yeah. Like, like uh, why, some friend of mine's whatever. I can't why call. didn't you just say you didn't want to go to the baseball game? So then the second, so then he offers me the second option, which is fr- Friday night, which is the beginning of Memorial Day. And, th- and that is, I didn't even think like that Friday was in play. I was like, I'm available all every day this week, wh- by which I meant Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Because, you know, Friday, Memorial Day, it's like, going to be in the uh, in the RV on the open road. So he comes back with George comes back with two baseball game opportunities and and all of a sudden I'm just like Durr. Uh. So I have to write him back and say what I meant was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I sound uh. like a like a ding-a-ling. You do. You do. But I but I can't cancel on Andy and I can't, you know, Mm-mm. I can't change Memorial Day. So it it went from I went from walking around on my tippy toes thinking I'm going to the baseball game with George to here I am again. Here I am again on my own going down the only road I've ever known. Yeah. Which is the road of sorrow. Like a drifter. You're I was born, born to, to walk, walk alone. alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's alone, 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 it's an alone, alone, alone rhyme. Mediate cheese. Great. Watergate. <laughs> Conflagrate. <laughs> Innovate. Innovate. Entre- entrepreneur eight. So, uh, we didn't so, yeah. start the sixties. You know, you know, I'm a. You, you know that I'm an NXS defender, but I'm um, also one of the big time NXS haters. Yeah, uh, it's one of those many things I avoid. Talking to me about NXS or talking about NXS or listening to NXS. Which one would make you happier? <sighs> I'm, not, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. You don't like NXS. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I see. see you don't you, want for to talk years, about for NXS. years, you dined out on that whole like I'm not a fan thing, and now you're all you're a fan of everything now. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. Really? Yeah. See now, yeah. The tide, the tides have turned. You are the old crutching <laughs> guy who doesn't like things, and I love everything. Oh my god, I sold my combs. Ooh ha ha! I know. Oh, um, Captain America! Oh, Captain My America! Superstar p- superhero. I love it. All, that was, that all was of effective. them. Um, no, it's just that I super schmooper like like almost half a half a dozen of their songs, and then I I just kind of really don't like a bunch of them. We talked about it one time, and it, and it got a little ugly. You between you and me, or or with our with our listeners? No, th- this one was with me. So no, you and just, I, I were talking like, about NXS, and it got ugly. Well, no, I avoided it before it got too ugly. I like the one thing. That's a great song. I like the Dream On, White Girl, White Boy, Black Girl, White Boy. I like that song a lot. Mm-hmm. It has a different title because it was the 80s and you give a title that wasn't in the song. Uh, there's that. I like that song. Shabu Shaba. Shabu Shaba. I like Shabu Shaba. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't like Soup and Salad Bar. Like, I didn't like that era. Mm-hmm. You know? Soup and Salad Bar. Suicide Blonde didn't like that one. No, that's not very good. No. Okay, so, so okay. Never Tear Us Apart is a great song. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I went and looked. That's good. They're good. Come on. That's a really good song. And that's later period. So it, it, I, the thing you want to do with NXS is say, mm-hmm. like REM, mm-hmm. oh, all the shit in the early days was good and all the later stuff is bad. You pull it to Depeche Mode. 
Right, but that does not work with NXS because there is garbage in and garbage out. Mm. There's terrible songs at the beginning, terrible songs at the end. But then how do you account for the great songs at the beginning and the great songs at the end? You can't account for them unless you unless you make an actual study of this. You got to really get in there. You got to put on some gloves. It has Matt suit. You wade into the NXS. And the thing about it is, the my impression of NXS is that they wrote democratically. Right, they never kicked the drummer out. They never. There's no change. It's in excess the entire time. All of the bros, mm. and nobody steps forward and is like, "Well, I'm kind of the genius here." Well, like, that the the mediate song has one one writer on it who is a, a man called Andrew Ferris with okay. two R's and two S's. Okay, so he's a member of the band. Yes, Andrew Ferris. I think he's so a maybe player, right? Is he the guy with the glasses? No, he's a singer. Singer, singer. No, Michael Hutchins is the singer. Oh, Michael Hutchins. Famous Michael Hutchins. Mm. And Michael Hutchins, everybody acknowledges. Is he alive? Did he, no, did he take his no. own life? No, he, uh, well, yeah. er, it's not clear. He oh, died. he had one of those uh, kung fu situations. Yeah. He, yeah, okay. All right, enough said. Um, but, but, you know, you got the impression that they really worked as a band. Right? Don't change. I like Don't Change. Oh, my God. It's one of the great songs. That's a great, that's a great song. I still walk along thinking, Don't Change. And the thing about the Don't Change music video mm-hmm. is that they had a really good idea, really good idea, which was that they were going to play. They were going to get into the back of a pickup truck and drive away while still playing the song. Mm. But what do you do with the drummer? Oh. Right, so everybody gets in, all the bass player jumps in, the guitar player, they're all still playing the song. Is, and he, then, is he like hitting the fender or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to, he had to, he has, he's like drumming on the side of the truck. And oh, that just doesn't yeah. work. You can still hear the kick drum in the recording. I wasn't convinced. Yeah, I don't like that. There's eidetic, right? Non eidetic music? I don't like mm. that. Mm-mm. If it's on Mm-mm. the screen, you should, you should be able to hear it and vice versa. Yeah. Precious uh, Heart? I don't know. Need you tonight. Blech. Gross. There's so much bad stuff, though. But I, you know, <laughs> new sensation. It's terrible. It's terrible. And yet, and I'm, I will go all the way to the mat <laughs> about. Just looking at titles. Eat. There's so many bad songs. All the way, Devil Inside. Devil, Devil Inside. Give a dingle what it was. That's not good. Inside. But what you need. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people, I think if you were using, if you were putting the REM overlay on NXS, mm-hmm. what you need would be Orange Crush. Hmm. Right? It's okay. the first sign mm. that, that the worm has turned. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the worm has turned in a Shakespearean sense. I mean it in mm. a tequila sense. Literally in the bottle. It's turned. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It has not turned on you. Oh. It has turned to bad worm oh i see you're doing a little you're doing a little little fine language stuff here it's a little bit of fine language little stuff. foucault pendulum but i'm saying there are a <clears> lot <throat> of people that are going to go what you need is the beginning of <laughs> bad and <laughs> i'm going to say no bad in excess was yeah. there all along and good in excess was there all along and what you need actually is in the good in excess camp i think i like when the I'm not saying they're trying to do this, but i like when they in my head they're trying to sound like hoodoo gurus that's the one i like I like that in excess. And then there's some where they seem like they're trying to sound more like, I don't know, like not Sisters of Mercy, but they're, they get kind of like, he's singing yeah, too gothy. low. Yeah, yeah, he's singing too low, and it's got all the bam, bam kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like the bam, bam stuff. That, that, and that, what you need has more bam, bam. It's got a lot of bam, bam. Than almost any other song except Eurythmics Missionary Man. Mm. Eurythmics Missionary Man has almost exactly the same amount of bomp bomp as NXS What You Need. 
and they're contemporaneous. <laughs> and I think Missionary Man actually won an MTV Music Video. Oh, that is a Bamp Bamp song. Yeah. Have you explored? Don't mess with the Missionary Man. That's a killer man. jam. Bamp, oh, oh, oh. And the guy in the music video for Missionary Man looks exactly like the guy from World Party. Oh, my goodness. Go, 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 go. Look, in, look immediately. Missionary I think it almost maybe man. is the guy from World Party. Um, it's hard to watch this without watching it. Okay, I'm going to come back to this. The missionary have, you ever explored, have you ever explored the previous band of her and uh, Dave Stewart, The Tourists? Say what now? They were in a new wave power pop band uh, before that called um, The Tourists. You're talking about Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart. Yeah. And they do a cover of... Uh, I only want to be with you. That is one of the great things. Let's 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 look right now. Let's go to. Only want to be with you. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be funny. Only want to be with you. Um. Yeah. Go look. Uh, go Google on the tourists. I only want to be. No, not that version. What the other version? It's a 2010 film oh, well, starring uh, Florian Henkel von Donnerschmark. Oh. That's the director. That's the Craftwork cover band. Literally, Florian Henkel von Donnersmark mm. is the director of The Tourist, starring oh. somebody. Angelina Jolie is in it. The reason I print a lot is we, we print and we scan. We scan things and we print things. And I've started printing out photos. Hmm. Do you print out all your emails and put them in a file cabinet? Of course I do. <laughs> it's the only way I can get inbox zero. <laughs> Beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, world. Wait, how many wait, how many folders do you have? Let me guess. I got a bunch of them. I oughta. God damn it. Um <laughs> I just went full on Roscoe, didn't I? Remember the game of dog? Remember Flash? Flash! They gave him uh they gave him a little hound dog. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't add a kid to the show, so they added a dog. They gave him a little dog named Flash. So now, have you have you ever noticed that Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane is proto Bob Odenkirk? Oh yeah, right. I see that. Right. Oh yeah. yeah Bob yeah, Odenkirk yeah, yeah. is doing Roscoe P. Coltrane. Right. About <laughs> one third of his characters. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's finally on the HBO again. On their uh, little streaming channel, so I watched the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's one of those shows that didn't. Did that belong to HBO? You know how it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I started watching Mr. Shows again. It's still a delight. Yeah, that's wonderful. It show. comes up a lot in this program, and people probably don't know what we're talking about when we make Mr. I, show jokes. So this is one of those weird things where, um, I you know, I, I discovered this the other day. I was talking uh, to a close friend about some component of uh, the uh, alcohol recovery movement, and I realized. That she really didn't have a um, encyclopedic knowledge of like addiction, dependency, culture, and literature. It, there and was I, a time when the, everything was twelve step. That became yeah. a huge like in the late eighties, early nineties. There was a giant self help boom, mm-hmm. and part of that self help boom, like you go to, suddenly you go to the bookstore and there's this entire section of pink books out of nowhere. <laughs> Remember, you could always go right to because it was mainly marketed at women, and women love pink. So there are yeah, all these pink books, and everything was a uh, called recovery. You're in recovery, they'd say. Recovery. That's now, right. Do they and still could, say that today. I think so. Yeah, there are a lot of people in recovery still. Although it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's quite the cure all that it once was. But it was. I mean, it got 
I don't want to sound insensitive because it's helped a lot of people, but I mean, the, the template of AA, then you got into Narcotics Anonymous, and then I think it became a lot about abuse. Like, wasn't like recovering from a, a, like an abusive childhood? That was a... Well, that was a part of it, and then it, it, then it got to a point where you could use the tenants, or rather, it was, it was uh, promoted that you could use the tenants of, of Alcoholics Anonymous to address almost any issue. So that you could you could be in recovery from television, you could be you know from overwatching television. You could be in recovery from. <clears throat> I don't. I mean, that was the point at which I I got off. But the anything, train. but it's it was, and I'm again, I'm not trying to be glib because it helps people. But it was as though anything that was traumatic and difficult, or compulsive, oh. or anything that preoccupied your mind, basically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or caused you, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly even sure because I didn't go to the But it became a punchline. It became a punchline that, you know, and, that you're the, like, you know, uh, there's several punchlines about AA, not, not to make fun of AA, but just to say like, you know, admitting you have a problem, that becomes a punchline. Right. Making amends, that right. kind of becomes a punchline. But this, uh, this uh, person I was talking to was a millennium and <laughs> um, she did not. You know the millenniums. The millenniums are gonna make the <clears throat> teens look. They're gonna like, make the Generation Y look like the greatest generation. More like Generation Y, am I right? Ro- generation Y, not. <laughs> so she, <clears throat> they, you know, didn't come up in this. They came up in post-recovery irony era. Oh sure. So she just doesn't even, you know, and I'm talking to her like, oh, yeah, but abba da 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 all this, like, all this uh, 12-stepism that sort of is just in the water where I live. And she's like, it's almost in a way reset where the, where the, the millenniums are like, oh, alcohol, alcoholics, aren't they like people that live under bridges? It's like no, <laughs> no, no. We're, we're we spent years and years trying to take away the stigma, mm-hmm. and now uh, we neglected. To, we didn't tend that garden for a little while, and now all the millenniums are like alcoholics. That's gross. Yeah. It's like, oh boy, we have to start all over again. We have to start. We have to beat them all down. Yep. With our alcoholic uh, alcoholism, uh, like cricket bats. <laughs> Alcoholism, cricket bats. <laughs> whack, whack, whack. <laughs> Two, three, four. Whack. <laughs> so a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of language, a lot of language mm. issues. But I feel, uh, did you, did I ever tell you the story about the time I got a, I got a video, like a, I got texted a video from Dave Stewart? No, mm. I don't think I know that. Mm-hmm. I'm also just inconsolable right now that it looks like the, the original MTV style version of this video is just not available. The tourists, yeah, it used to be everywhere. You'll still get the feeling of it, but it's really, it's a really cool '80s video. So Dave Stewart texted you a video. Well, yes. Yeah. So I had a friend who was working in the studio in Nashville with Dave Stewart producing, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me! You got to be kidding me! You're working with Dave Stewart? I'm kind of." A little bit of a super fan. Yeah. And uh, the person I was talking to <clears throat> was also a millennium. And they were like, oh, really? Who? Ugh. You know, like he's the producer on the sesh. 
And I was like, he's the producer on the sesh. I bet he is. <laughs> really looking but, forward to the weekend, you guys. <laughs> but he's <laughs> but he's also like, you know, a major influence on me, one of the greats. Truly one of the greats. And uh, she was like, Oh, well, do you want me to like say hi to him for you? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do. I don't know why, but I do. And so uh Later on that night, I get a video of Dave Stewart very close to the camera and, and honestly, a little soused. Mm. Uh, Good for him. <laughs> saying, hello, hello, John. hello, hello. <laughs> hello, John. What's all this thing? <laughs> keep, keep being great. Peace and love. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Cheers, mate. And then he turns around. And and you know I th- he might even falls, be wearing it falls off, falls off the chair. <laughs> no, he turns. He's standing in a hallway. Turns around. Maybe he's also wearing a top hat. I don't remember. <laughs> Carrying a briefcase that's possibly handcuffed to his wrist, <laughs> and he walks slowly down the hall. But he kept the, t- the, the top hat. Didn't fall off. No, no, no. It's a little jaunty angle all mm-hmm. the way to the end, and then he turns to the left but he doesn't like he doesn't smooth it he gets to the end stops <laughs> turns to the left proceeds off screen and it's, I'm like, a, it's like a steampunk basic program <laughs> yeah and i just i felt like wow that just made that just made my night that's nice no it's nice that the millennium uh thought to 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 get the whole shot in like cover it all because the kid, these kids today they tear away you don't get more than two seconds of video of anything yeah. if there's anything yeah. we learned in the age of the handicam it's that you gotta you gotta stay on one thing for a while right and, and they don't do that today the kids don't know that today this wasn't a snapchat right this was uh this was something else yeah this was a this wasn't was a vine john this was a film that she mm. was making just for me wow and she understood that uh that uh, that it was one old person communicating through the the internet tubes to another old person, and she was just an intermediary, and she wasn't going to impose her millennium uh, aesthetic on it because mm-hmm. she knew that this old person w- was continuing to perform all the way down the hall, <laughs> and that the other the old person on the other end of the line was going to keep watching this video even if he walked to infinity. <laughs> and she was like, "I'm going to keep this camera rolling. I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't even know who you are." I'm images of the tourists now and this is Annie this is like I didn't even think Merlin to yeah. google young Annie Lennox well that's have, how far off I was have a nice week that's how far off I was here's the thing you forget the thing you forget of- is that she's probably pushing 70 so a she looks amazing not that it matters she looks amazing today but like you know she was in her 30s in the arrhythmics I think Mm-hmm. Oh God! I wish you could see that she's wearing like a little skirt, and it's like there's new wave going on, and there's it's, it's a white. It's got the it's got the, it's a classic '80s video. It's got the white background, and they're like standing on like pedestals and stuff. It's uh, pedestals, new wave pedestals. Uh, you know, I, the other day I was, um, <clears throat> you know, we we uh, we sometimes talk about um, Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, and then. Um, I was in a thrift store with a friend, and she brought over a copy of the Linda Ronstadt album from 1976, where she's actually on roller skates. Uh, of course, that U.S. something something USA, something yeah, like something that. Something USA, America, USA, America, USA, <laughs> cheeseburger, bang bang. <laughs> and she's wearing. Uh, she got a she's satin jacket on, didn't she? Satin jacket, and I'm pretty sure satin short shorts or Ooh. satin like gym trunks. Oh, or maybe they're terry cloth. Either would be fine. Yeah. 
right? Like, I, there's a part of me. Those, are, those even, are statement shorts. I'm not even sure I've ever been with a woman who was wearing terry cloth uh, shorts with a little with little white bunting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But that imprinted on me in 1976 oh, as yeah. somewhat of the idea, the feminine ideal, and I've never, I've, I don't know why I haven't ever acted that play out. Yeah. But in any case, I realized that there's a huge difference for me between pre-perm Linda Ronstadt and post-perm. Oh, sure. And I was not pro-perm. <sighs> yeah. I was anti-perm the entire time that perms were, were perms. Perms were an affliction. They were everywhere. My best friend <sighs> got a perm. I didn't like perms. 13-year-old boy with a perm. He, got, he deliberately got an afro. It's crazy to think, you know, Clapton all through Cream had a perm. Hmm. A giant perm. Hmm. What is happening? Hmm. I did, now, how, wait a minute. I, I clicked on the tourists, and I got a bunch of images of Fleetwood Mac in the studio, and I'm not sorry about that either. Yeah. See, Google oh. learns. It, it learns from you. This is such, this is such an old, old dude, old day today. <clears throat> George Meyer's life mate. Yeah. Her, oh, okay. Hey, nice. Double points. You know who her father is? Tell me her more. father is, I don't want to be creepy, but just because I'm Googling people on the internet. Yeah. Her, uh, her father is Lorenzo Semple Jr., none other than the creator of Batman alongside William Dozier. No. Yeah. You're kidding. And I'm not. Living in Spain in 1965, Semple was approached by William Dozier to develop the, the, the television series on the comic book. Wrote a pilot, probably picked up, series based put on the air. Wrote the first four episodes, also served as executive story editor. Fucking Batman, dude. This explains so much. He, oh, so, dude, dude. He worked on Three Days of the Condor. He wrote the screenplay for Three Days of the Condor. I had no idea. You love that movie. I do. And He wrote and, the screenplay for Papillon. I am... Pretty good friends with Maria, and she, I had he just no, passed. I, he just passed a couple couple years ago. You know, she is a a best selling author. Yeah, she did that movie. Well, did she, she wrote, she wrote uh, I Heart Huckabees, right? Yeah, I know her name. I, I instantly I saw her name. I instantly recognized her name. I'm gonna. Uh, go she, she she wrote Where Did You Go, Bernadette? Okay, which was a New York Times best selling book about uh, about being in Seattle. She taught fiction writing at the Richard Hugo House. It all comes to it all comes around. Next to which your band used to practice. That's right. I am basically I I'm, I'm basically the founder of the Richard Hugo House. It's basically named after. They me. had to throw you out to make it, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. We're they're going to make it after all. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Annie <laughs> Lennox. <laughs> Annie Lennox of the Tourists, photographed in 1980 in some kind of little like pearl beaded, sleeveless blue go-go dress. Yeah. With she's confident. Like, she's. It's really wonderful. Those were the times. Look at her. She's so, look at Dave. Look how skinny he is. He's no, not anymore. I know. I know. It happens. It happens to us. Well, and you know, he's a ginger too. Oh, sh- poor guy. It's amazing. Amazing how he's gotten through it. Oh, uh, here's oh, why. Because they blocked it. Fucking. They the blocked vi- the vid? The vids got blocked. The whole sesh. Why? Uh, why would they block the sesh? The video contains Don't content from SME, sesh. whatever that is, who has blocked it in your country on copy. This is what it feels like to be Canadian. To have things blocked? Yeah, you just don't get stuff. Is that true? Oh, Up in Canada, I hear about this. Well, like, look at what's happened with our shirts. Like, we didn't know about this. Like, people were buying our shirts in other countries and having to, like, pay all this extra money for customs oh, the and duty. stuff. Yeah, I duties. feel bad about that. Well, this is the thing about commerce, right? I yeah, mean, that is the thing about commerce. Commerce is a shit show. Yeah. And uh, all these... It know, always involves money. Almost always. Well, it involves money, but it's like they are trying with these duties to protect themselves against something, right? 
And rather than tax oil appropriately, or rather than you know, t- rather than tax people that are making billions, they're adding a nineteen percent VAT to a to a single T-shirt that you're ordering from some dinglings in America. Yeah, and it's like really that's how you're going to pay for your for your universal public health is what these fucking duties and the thing is most of the time they're just doing it because america has done a similar thing yeah it's like uh you talk about free trade bill clinton you talk about free trade mm. free free the trade <laughs> yes, um free it up. this uh by the time this episode comes out it uh there won't be much time left to buy a t-shirt so i'm not gonna say buy a t-shirt what i will say is thank you to the people who bought t-shirts as oh. i look at this right now john roderick People have purchased 1,257 Roderick on the Line t-shirts. Well done, people. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Wasn't that nice of people to do that? Well, it is. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say nice because I think they're Mm -hmm. getting a wonderful thing. (laughs) They're getting a wonderful thing. So niceness isn't. I made you so mad. (laughs) I made you so mad one time when I was like, John, quit making a big deal about this. It's fucking, it's free money. And you said, there's no such thing as free money. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Why, why are you imitating me in the voice of somebody who works in, a, like a, in the boiler room of a submarine? <laughs> das Boot. <laughs> there's no such thing as hard, hard, hard. That's what you sound like when you're texting no, sometimes. Not. Yeah. Well, I told you about see, that, did they? How, see how I said it? See how I said it all calm? <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as free money. <laughs> everybody, put on your top hat. Everybody who handcuff your briefcase to your arm. Everybody who ordered a Roderick on the line T-shirt got great T-shirt value for yeah, their money. That's true. And now they're going to be able to wear those shirts out. It's going to improve their chances of mating. They're going to get more tail than Sinatra, right? Because they're going to they're they're going to be wearing the shirt. Someone is going to look at them from across a crowded dance floor, and they're going to say. <gasps> There is a Roderick on the Line listener. That's I, right. too, am a Roderick on the Line listener. That's absolutely right. Let's make Whoopi. Yeah. Right? Even if There's they end up a adopting lo- a lot child. of finger banging, just, just based on this one shirt, I think. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what people do? I don't, I don't care whose finger it is and where you're putting it. I'm just glad we got you the shirt that's going to put you in that situation where you can say yay or nay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? I, under, I have <laughs> learned that a lot of our listeners are millenniums, yeah. and they yeah. have all kinds of weird sex with yeah. each other. Well, You've been telling me about this. They yeah. have butt sex, and they keep their virginity. <laughs> You've told me about this twice already. <laughs> I, I keep talking about it because I think it's great. <clears throat> I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot. It's it's a really a new age. It yeah. is a new age. Think of think of all the virgins out there. Mm-hmm. You walk around and you're like, these kids are really sophisticated, but they're still virgins. They're butt banging, but they're virgins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, butt banging, butt banging virgins. <laughs> now that if now I that's had, an in excess record. If I had an in excess record. Bump Butt banging virgins. I would reevaluate their whole career, but it's too late now. You can feel it in your gut. You'll be banging in the butt. Bump. Wow. Wow. Woo, woo. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like Hoodoo Gurus? They were hot for a while. I think they're Australian. Uh, yeah. Well, Hoodoo Gurus were one of those bands that were like proto band. They were right? like Rootsy. They would like, uh, it was a Rootsy kind of thing. It was in the Rootsy era. Rootsy era. Yeah. You got like Zeitgeist slash the Reavers. You got like, you got all those bands that are doing like a Rootsy thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Like uh, like Lone Justice. You got a Lone Justice. Oh boy, she's something, isn't she? Yeah, we've talked about her. We've talked about her. But I feel I feel like um, 
I feel like you there's this is one of those things where you are just a couple of years older than me, not even just two two years older than me. Maybe <laughs> I like grew up with Star Wars. You grew yeah. up with that Empire Strikes Back shit, yeah, exactly. But like <laughs> you Show. were you were listening to this is the this the Hoodoo Gurus is right in this key little keyhole. Of yeah, the age were, difference right there. You yeah. would not have been exposed to that like I would have been exposed you to that. You were one <laughs> year ahead of me in some stuff like that. So like Mitch Easter's band and stuff like that that you were Let's you Active. Were, I, right. I, you, lo- I loved Let's Active. You were already digging into Let's Active at a time when I was like I was an Stur- REM fanatic. I would I would, anything that was related to REM, I sought out. Everything that starts with Peter, uh, like Peter Buck wearing a Husker Du shirt, I gotta check out Husker Du, to like, um, like Michael Stipe singing on the, uh, the, with those two ladies, the, uh, the, uh, the Dr. Uh, Indigo Divinity. Girls. Yes. Yes. But, and, and believe me, I was all over the Indigo Girls. Um, mm-hmm. All over Indigo Girls, like, a, like some wet cellophane. Mm-hmm. But I Call it was... a dental dam? Is that what that's called, John? It's, you know Portrait of Rasputin and a beard down to his the, knee. The thing about a dental dam is it's not going to prevent the spread of STDs. Please, and needs braces. <laughs> but if you dental dam, I was I was like also still listening to Billy Squire at this point, right? Oh, I mean, I was still man. so he was well and truly into his silly dance. He fruity was stage. He was. I have was, you watched Rock Me Tonight in the last ten years? Yes, I have. You need to, if you uh, okay. I mean, have you really watched it? Because you just can't even believe. Even in the first twenty, you cannot believe this video ever existed. It's I, so much worse than I remember. I had I had quite a bit of. I mean, I uh, Billy Squire was very problematic for me mm-hmm. because um, because I really liked those first two records. And then it, it then it started to get really really strange over in the Billy Squire camp. It it did, and I think that video it's kind of a meme. I think that video was hard on him. The video, the Rock Me Tonight video. Dude, I've read oral histories career. of that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, it wasn't just the video. Like he came out with some kind of strange. He 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 started appearing with a signature model guitar, which was like a pastel colored. Was it a Schechter? It was like a, it was like a modified Telecaster. Yeah, some kind some, of tele, I think it was a, I don't think it was a Schecter. Some some guitar that also was not very hard. Well, how did Fender not hire him to Who? use a Squire Tele? Well, oh. Different spelling, I know. Why did I not? Why why have I never thought of that? It's brilliant. I mean, it's money on the table. It's free money. Why the hell didn't they do that? Free money. I never. Um, made the I loved I loved the uh, in the dark. In the dark, and this was that's a great record. That's got it's got monster drums on it. And what's this? So emotions in motion is the one we're talking about, right? Emotions in motion is a great, great tune. No, Rock Me Tonight came after. Oh, Rock Me Tonight, that's That's, the album. Yeah, that's from that Rock Me Tonight. That's the titular track. Well, no, it's from Signs of Life. Signs of Life, 1984. Oh, you're absolutely right. Whereas emotions in motion from the album Emotions in Motion. That record, I, th- I think, is bulletproof. Emotions, emotion. Boom, boom, My boom, girlfriend boom, at the time and first uh, serious partner downstairs, uh, there were two people, two men that she regarded as the height of sexy, and that was Billy Idol and Billy Squire. They're both named Billy. Hmm. So, you know, Billy, <laughs> Billy is also uh, some kind of Cockney rhyming slang for uh, penis. <laughs> it means, yeah, when you say Billy, Billy Corgan, it just means penis. <laughs> penis Corgan. Smartest kid. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, have you seen him lately? Uh, Billy Corgan? Oh, I see goodness. him all the time because we're both members of the chemtrail, uh, some of the secret chemtrail. <laughs> uh, he, he and John Mayer and I he's sometimes drive out bon- to the desert. He's turned into a Bond villain. <laughs> he's, he was always the worst. Yes. I remember in 1992, a guy from Anchorage came down and was living in the house that I was already crashing in. Mm-hmm. He showed up. He was a guy I went to high school with. He was actually a guy. He's in some ways, he was one of those like keep your friends close and your enemies closer guys. Hmm. He was he and I have the exact same birthday. His name was David. Exact same birthday. We were born on the same day in history. Same birth date. Same birth date. That's September important. 13, That's an important distinction. 1968. Yes. But he was a year younger in school. He was a junior when I was a senior. Hmm. And he was very handsome. He looked like a young Tom Selleck, which I know doesn't sound very good, but he had like super dimples and he was cute and he was like, he was GQ. But that made him old for his grade and made you young for your grade. I was very young for my grade. He was very old for his grade. And uh, I, I read a thing the other day that said that kids born during the summer typically have, uh, typically uh, this is the new metric. Apparently, every I read this all the time now, uh, as a as a as a way of like tracking kids' progress. But kids born in the summer are less likely, like significantly less likely, to become CEOs, which is the American standard of achievement. No kidding, because they're the youngest kid in their grade. And so, if you're born in July or something, then you're much younger than kids that are born in April. Because if you're born in July, you're, you know, you are, uh, you're in the class of, you know, you turn five and then you are in yeah, school. Yeah, and you get, a, like, if you're born during the school year, what becomes the school year, you get to have normal birthday parties. Right. But you get a summer birthday, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to give you a half birthday? You know what I mean, like, that's weird. But I was born in September, so, mm-hmm. and I went into the grade school, I went into grade as though I were one of these, you know, I was four when I started kindergarten. So talk about less likely to be a CEO. Yeah. You could not be more disadvantaged than me in this capacity. A kid born two days later would have been held back a year. I should have been held back. But doesn't that give you grit? Don't you have to have grit to be a CEO? Do I have grit? Yes, I do have grit. Mm -hmm. I'm still not a CEO, but I'm still a young man. Yeah. Anyway, David, Hmm. so so I, I probably told you this before, but I decided when I was a junior... That I'd never had a girlfriend and I had never, I was succeeding in high school in the sense that I was making a name for myself as a, as a, as a kind of a anti-authoritarian clown, uh, blue Tarski, but I was not succeeding in high school on high school's terms. And in my junior year, at the very beginning of my junior year, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I am not going to go through high school being a dork. I am going to, I'm going to do something about it. And I remember I had, my dad had, or my mom, actually this sounds like something my mom had done. She bought me one of those desk blotters. Oh, nice. With the, like with a calendar? With a calendar. Oh, those are terrific. Well, yeah, but I mean, talk about a, talk about a, a 10th grader who's pretty much destined to be a dork all through high school. I had a desk blotter. Sure. And I'm sitting there at my desk blotter 
before junior year starts and I'm plotting, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, how am I going to like overcome? Because I'm sitting in the back of the class right now. I'm covered in dandruff. I don't chew tobacco. I've never kissed a girl. I'm a year younger than everybody else. You're like the world's saddest uh, Merle Haggard song. Yeah, I'm, covered, I'm shaped like, like one of those logs of cookie dough. And I smell like one of those logs of cookie dough because when I come mm. home from school, I eat about a half a log of cookie dough mm. uncooked. Yeah. Because it's the greatest thing in history. Yeah. I am just, I am like, a, I am the worst. Right You're realizing now. you got to change your game a little bit. Yeah, I got. You got to check yourself before back. you wreck yourself. What do I do? And I wrote down because my dad was born in 1921, and he used a lexicon that even in the even in the early 1980s was no longer being used. But I wrote "big man on campus." All right, BM- the top, BMOC. BMOC on mm-hmm. the top of my desk blotter, and I looked at the words. I studied the words, and I was like. Big man on campus. How does one become a big man on campus? Because my dad would talk about at the at the fraternities in 1938, the big man on campus. He he tied a, uh, a crew sweater around his neck and he swung a tennis racket everywhere he went. And he was a member of the crew team. And he drove a Model A jalopy with a raccoon tail hanging from the uh, from the antenna. That right there is a big man on campus. It's a big man on campus. He would cram a bunch of undergraduates into a phone booth. Ugh. Like he was, he was the guy. He was the guy. It's like, like sw- swallow a goldfish, that kind of thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. So how do I get to be a big man on campus? I'm studying this thing, and I was like, just studying the words, big man on campus. I've got to get a girlfriend. That's yeah. one of the things that you got to get a girlfriend. And I was like, how does one get a girlfriend? I have no earthly idea. Girls terrify me. I don't know how to go about doing this. I feel like you need to exercise maybe in order to get a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Not sure. So I went to school in the beginning of my junior year. And I was like, <clears throat> you could tell just by the way people treated me that I was being, I was definitely on a track to be excluded. Mm. And I already preferred to be in the band room at lunch. <laughs> so I was headed there part <laughs> like my preference was to right. ally myself with my peers who were people that sat in the band room at lunch and practiced the clarinet or sat in the dark room of the student newspaper and like i mean i had a friend who was the one of the photographers of the student newspaper who would just take surreptitious photographs of the cheerleaders and then develop them and like I don't know what he would do with the pictures. I mean, it's not like they were panty up, upskirt shots. Or yeah, anything. but he's, he's applying himself. Yeah, he would just sit across the, just focus on the cheerleaders. Weirdo. But I decided I needed a girlfriend. So I started, I got to, I got to school at the beginning of junior year. And I was like, who is going to be my girlfriend? Who's the lucky girl? Who, who's, who is going to like be the one? Mm-hmm. And I picked Kelly Kiefer. I've talked about her on the show before. Oh, she's a red-haired girl. That's right, red-haired girl. And, I, and she was the class president, and I chased her. I chased her. I chased her yes. relentlessly. And then I, I won her affections, and then we were like a couple, and she was, she was a big wheel, and then I was a big wheel. I was big man on campus all of a sudden, largely because I had, because I had coupled with this, uh, with this very accomplished lady. And 
we, and I genuinely loved her. I mean, she was she was in my thoughts all the time. Because she, I, wasn't she kind of your Diane Court? Wasn't yeah. she a little bit out, out of your league? She was totally out of my league, and she said so multiple times in yeah. notes that she would pass me in class that said literally, I am out of your league. Stop <laughs> harassing me, <laughs> you dander-covered log. <laughs> and I would say... I know that mm-hmm. this is just a code for how much you love and adore me. Mm. And she would say, you are a log. <laughs> I'm a very important woman. I have important business to attend to, which includes getting good grades and being popular. And you are, and just the fact that I'm passing you these notes is diminishing my stature. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love you too, baby. Mm. Anyway, Kelly Kiefer and I broke up during the summer between junior year and senior year, largely because after we were in a relationship, she was like, here's what relationships look like. And I didn't understand that and still don't. I was like, what? You mean we just spend all our time together? Just you and me all the time? Mm-hmm. She was like, that's right. That's what, that's what boys and girls do when they become in a relationship. That's not what you're expecting. I was like, I thought that what you did was you guys like did, went out together and did crimes or, or whatever. You were like, you were leaders of a gang. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you be Pinky, Pinky Custagero mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to my Fonzie? Yeah. Pinky and Fonzie didn't just hole up all the time and watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off on VHS. Mm-mm. No, they were like hanging with their, with their gangs, their respective gangs. You got adventures. You go on adventures, but you've got your gang has has pink satin jackets. My gang is apparently Richie and Potsy, which is weird. Wouldn't Fonzie have like a cool cool guy gang? Yes. Anyway, we broke up during the summer. The beginning of junior or beginning of senior year, Kelly starts going out with David. David. <gasps> David, your David. Uh, your er friend of me. That's right. The guy who has the same birthday as me. Exactly. We're exactly the same age, but he's a year younger. Uh, that's no accident. He's a year younger, and he's all fashionable. He's Ugh. like super fashionable. He's where he's got a guess watch. Ugh. Yeah. He's where he's wearing guess clothes, and he's got his hair is all perfect. You're sewing perfect. your own alligator on things. I'm sewing. I'm sewing an, an extra alligator humping the one alligator. <laughs> Like the alligator on the shirt and then you know, an extra alligator because I'm living out some <laughs> movie that I am writing as I go. And I was so appalled. I was so – I was appalled. That's what it was. I was like, why are you why – Kelly, why are you debasing yourself by going out with this child who is the same age as me? Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't know. He's really handsome. So – David, years later, moved into the same house I was living in down here in Seattle. I wasn't paying rent. I was sleeping on the couch. Mm-hmm. He moved in and actually started paying rent, took one of the rooms. Oh, that, that's not fair. That's not cricket. Well, no. So now his status in this house, in this grunge house, is higher than mine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, you, if you're a rent payer. Oh, absolutely. You get, you get, uh, you get to have preferences. Well, sure. You get a shelf in the cupboard that's for your canned food. Yeah, Couch Boy does. Couch Boy with the, uh, you know, <laughs> the kid who's a log. He he doesn't get that. I'm I'm the log again. You're the dander log. Yeah. I'm the log, and I'm and I'm and I'm stealing a cans of ravioli out of the out of the kitchen that don't even belong to me because yeah. I because not because I can't 
Well, I couldn't afford a can of ravioli of my own, but if I could, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have even had a shelf. Right. Oh, so many levels. <laughs> it's very confusing. Sure is. <laughs> so, uh, did she come around? Who? Oh, sorry, Kelly. No. You guys got back together, didn't you? Not really. Oh. No. And now I, she's like a doctor now, right? Yeah. I, you know, oh, we talked about this one time, and then some kid chastised me on the internet because I said where she worked three times or something like that. Uh, yeah. But uh, but uh, so now uh, now I can barely I can barely bring myself to utter her name. But no, she was she was she ended up she got her revenge on me. She got her revenge on me for sure. Not just but for dating David, but you know like other things. She would yeah. She came to visit me in college Ugh. one time. Came to visit me at my weird Northwestern Catholic school. And she sort of traipsed. And, you know, I took a year off before I went to college. So I was now a grade under her. I was a freshman and she was a sophomore at a big time East Coast University. And she came to my college and waltzed around the dorm. Like looking, basically looking indoors like, what are you, what are you, uh, what are you kids doing here? I was just like, ugh, why are you doing this to me? But you don't want to call her bluff on it. Because I kind of want to say, what's your, what's your game here, Kelly? What's your game? I did not have the ability to call girls on their game until just recently. Oh, really? That's I was, super interesting. I was 41 oh. before I could say, hey, what's your game here? Did you do it on purpose or did you just find yourself calling someone on their game? No, no, no. I, I, well, oh, you're saying... Did you make I a study of it did? and say, I'm going to go call this girl on her game? I'd been studying it for 26 years. Yeah. And I think maybe I looked, maybe at age 41, I had a new desk blotter and I had written at the top of it some other acronym. And I was like, you know what? You're never going to, you're not going to make it in this life. If you keep playing, it's not, you know, like boys can't play games on me. It's just girls that are playing games on me, and I keep taking them at their word. You keep giving them the keys, the keys to your to your mind box. I'm like, oh, okay. Is this is that the er derp mm-hmm. herp derp herp derp? Yeah, yeah. And so I finally was like, wait a minute, what's your game? Mm-hmm. What is your game? And it was very effective because well, you'd never done it before. Well, I'd never done it before, and I didn't realize like conjuring it. an orb. Like all of a sudden, John knows how to call somebody in a game. It's like you got a third eye now, my friend. Yeah, you don't even need to know what their game is. You Mm-mm. just you just say what's your game, and then they feel That's like a whole oh. different skill. That's a whole different later skill. But at least knowing there's a game there, it's like you're the one who said, "No, you're gaslighting me." Right. right. Then they're like, "The jig is up." I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're doing something. You're doing. So- I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it all turned around, or not all. No. But, but you know, so something. So no, I was not capable of calling Kelly on her game, and mm. she gamed the shit on me. A because she was a year older than me. B because well no she would she would say she wasn't a year old but it's like a kid with a magnifying glass and some ants the he, you know the the kid does not have a good reason for sizzling the ants he's doing it because he can mm. I think I think Kelly was doing it because she could I'm not saying Kelly's a bad person she's probably a great doctor but the fact that she's she's doing that because she knows you you know you got your little dinosaur arms you're trying to fight back with you you got no chance against Kelly I feel like all I feel like this is true of all humans yeah I know you do just you know like <laughs> destroy all humanoids. At one level. At yeah. another level, I love all people. You do. And this is very challenging for people sometimes to understand that I all... I, You're a I humanist, love, John. You love humans. I love all humans and I want to destroy all humans. <laughs> and no, I don't see... That's I don't not see, necessarily incompatible. I don't see how that's incompatible. That's like just like McNamara says, right? <laughs> sometimes you have to destroy humanity to save it. 
That's exactly that's exactly right. I I love humans so much, and I believe in humans, mm. but I believe that they should be destroyed <laughs> at all costs because mm-hmm. they're a plague, mm-hmm. and they're a plague unto one another first. Oh, Before, what's the worst kind of plague? A plague that gives its own plague to a plague. That's right. That's terrible. But, you got you got to terraform that shit. You got to drop the a, Gaia bomb. It's a plague that reproduces by plaguing itself. It makes plagues by makes plagues with plagues through plagues. Mm-hmm. By plague by proxy. Mm. Right? So it keeps injecting the it keeps injecting the poop into itself. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. That's that's a kind of evolution. So what I want to do is basically what if it rained mm-hmm. for like 40 days. Okay, would it rain at night too? Rain at night. Okay. Rain all day and all night. Okay. So 40 days and 40 nights. Okay. Let's call it that. Okay. Rained that entire time. Just rained. Okay, I got a mind picture. And I'm talking a lot, every, lot of rain. You're talking about like a lot of rain. A lot of rain and everywhere, right? Now we're talking about the entire earth, 40 days and 40 nights. <sighs> rain. Okay. Okay. It's raining in Antarctica. It's raining in the Gobi Desert. It's raining everywhere. So at first, there's lots of there's lots of articles in the local paper about how this is good. We've been having a drought. That's right. It's nice that it's been raining for eight days and eight nights. Eight whole days. Imagine what would happen in Los Angeles, California, if it rained for eight straight days. The entire city would skid. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to LA recently. Mm-mm. No, sir. They want. They're desperate for rain. They yeah, but that's like people saying they want wisdom. They don't really want wisdom. They just want to be smart. It, yeah. You're talking about a conflagration here. You're, you're talking about a a, a disruptive. Uh, see, the thing is now you got your your sewers are your, your roads are going to expel all the oils. You're yeah. going to sog up all the golf courses. There's not going to be anywhere for that water to go, and it's just going to accumulate. The L.A. River is going to overflow its banks. Mm-hmm. The L.A. River is going to make the. <laughs> <laughs> So, but so what it's, not, that, what it's day, not just raining in L.A. in no, this scenario. You're it's saying also literally the entire Earth. The Earth. It's raining rain on Earth. For 40 days. Now, right away. And, and at night. And at night. There's, right no, there's away, no let up. No, it doesn't let up. Mm-mm. Right away, the, the, uh, the weather channel is going to note this, right? Because normally, it, if it's raining one place, it's not raining another place. Oh, so CNN starts having a countdown clock. Like, what's the longest it's ever rained? Tick, tock, tick, tock. Except there, except... Like moment one, two yeah. minutes into this phenomenon, somebody's going to go on the weather channel and go, uh, every, I'm sorry to break in. <laughs> but it's but literally raining everywhere. It's literally raining everywhere. It's the everywhere. first time there's actually a 100% chance of rain because <laughs> yeah. it's literally raining everywhere. And this is meteorologically impossible. So we're, we're, we're going to the computers right now. Yeah. We'll get back to you in a minute, right? Peter Jennings is like, wait a minute. Yeah. Stop the presses. Is he still on How TV? Is this? Uh, he might be dead. Hmm. But I remember Peter Jennings during 9-11. I'd like to see Peter Jennings doing, doing uh, 40 days uh, of rain coverage. See? It's like a reverse did, Ted Koppel. Did you watch him during the, uh, during the 9-11? I, I lucked upon him. I chanced upon him as I was sw- switching through the channels. Mm-hmm. And he, did, he was the greatest American, even though he's a Canadian. Yeah. He was the greatest American. On We're all that. Americans now. He was very, he was very calm, very centered, very solemn, but he wasn't being overly dramatic. And he was not full of shit like everybody else was. And at a right. certain point, I don't know if you remember this, and I wish that I'm, I've never Googled You're talking it. Talking on the day. On the day. On the day when it felt like by 10 that morning, our time, it felt like literally anything could happen. Yeah. And it did, and also was like, will somebody take charge of this situation? There's no way. I mean, I, I mean, 
I just have that. I remember that feeling. My wife, uh, I was working at home in those days, and my boss called. Unlike now. I have an office where I quote unquote work. <laughs> but then I was seven something in the morning. You wake up, you go out, you watch, like, holy shit, this doesn't look like an accident. Mm. And then you hear like there's stuff going on in Pennsylvania, et cetera. And then when the other plane hit the tower, you're like, okay, literally anything could happen right now. You Just could not make a plausible movie of this. There's no way that this could actually be happening. So I slept till 10 o'clock in the morning that morning. Yeah. And then I woke up to my mom sitting on my bed, which never happened. Oh my God. With her hand on my knee, <sighs> which never happened. And I was like, what is going on? Did you think it was said, your dad? No, something worse. I who knows what would what, what would prompt my mom to wake me up? A <laughs> she's in by, a, she's in affection mode <laughs> by sitting on my bed. B and touching my knee. C and I was right. like, what is going on? Pretty she familiar. Said, she said, "I have bad news." And oh man, like, oh, shit! She was like, uh, "Somebody flew two planes into the World Trade Center and blew them up." And I was like, I had just returned from New York, right? I'd been at the top of the World Trade Center on August 30th. I'd been in, I'd been in Seattle for a week. You remember that elevator? Your ears would pop on that elevator, yeah, right? Ears. Oh, yeah. It was a fast-moving elevator full yeah. of people. But, and it took, and, like, minutes. When I was there in, whatever, 89, it's just, it took, you're like, there's no way this elevator ride could be this long. It's a very tall building. Yeah. So she turns on the TV, and there's one tower on the TV smoking and one tower standing. And I was like, what are you talking about, Mom? There's, there, there's one plane. And she said, no, I've seen this footage over and over by now. Just watch. And then because they're replaying it over and over and over again. So it was – so she like – she had already taken the, the sting. She would already somewhat like spoiler alerted me before I actually saw it. So I didn't see it in real time. I, I, had, I, got, the, I got the Cliff's Notes and then I watched it. Right. But Peter Jennings at one point said, as he was reporting, that President Bush and his entourage were mysteriously just flying in circles around America. I don't know if you remember this. I do. I do. He just got and up. The and thing is that the, the thing that I, I don't mean to beat this to death, but the thing that you can't overstate is that when the first one happened, you're like, this is the craziest news of the last 20 years or whatever. Yeah, that, that, that a plane, because well, at first you were going, there's no way that's what happened. There's yeah. no way that a plane because the thing is you don't need to know a lot about aeronautics <laughs> and aviation it's pretty hard to hit a building with a plane they're Weird not supposed to it's pretty well the first one even the first one this happening yeah. and you're like and the reports are coming up and we're not sure where dick cheney is and there's all this stuff going on and and even in that there's that that period and then when the other one hit is that the one that like with the blew the hole through yeah and you're just like wait a minute there's got to be a mistake. That's got to be an error. There's no way that happened twice. Yeah. And now, of course, we had all these years to think about it and ruminate on it. But as it was happening, it felt like the most... And then you start hearing the reports of other things happening. And you're like... And I just remember very distinctly by noon that day thinking, fucking anything could happen today. If we found out those that this was like... I mean, I'm not trying to sound glib. But like, if we found out there was some kind of like bizarre virus or alien invasion, at this point, I would not be that surprised. Or if you turn on the TV and you were like, Houston was just destroyed in a, in a nuclear explosion. Every time I saw a plane 
for two or three weeks. Because then there was the thing, oh, now the Golden Gate Bridge is going to be next. Um, yeah, and of course, yeah. They, they all look like bombs, didn't they? You Every just, single all, all you, I would hear a plane and I would have to look out. The, and I wasn't even traumatized about, by this in the way that, you know, me and my friends in other places were. I didn't have the personal experience of this. But I just, for a few weeks, you're like, who fucking knows what's going to happen? Yeah, they all look like so bombs. Peter, sorry, Peter Jennings. So at one point in the, in the late afternoon, he gets visibly frustrated on air and says, when will the president make a statement or in some way take charge of this situation? Because the president needs to appear now. And it he, has was, been, he was in hiding, not in hiding, yeah. but you know. It's been hours circling. and hours and the vice president is in an undisclosed location, but the president is just flying around in the sky and making no public statement. And he was like, it was shocking how, how visibly frustrated he was and how much he was speaking the truth from in his own voice on the air. And it, and it was, it was the moment that I realized that George W. Bush was a chicken shit and that everything he did subsequent to that moment was a chicken shit move. Like I lost uh, through Peter Jennings's eyes, I realized that George Bush was was a chicken shit, and he should never have been elected president. He should never have survived his teen years. Um, and I still have a space for him <laughs> down in the vault. I, I still have I still have a bed. You just I, you I, walk by sometimes, look at old room number six, and think I still have oh, three boy. three squares and a chair. G dub uh, because. We're going to find out the depth of his chicken shittedness. Mm-hmm. But that... that <laughs> what are your bed, bed struts shrinking, buddy? <laughs> well, yeah. Wait till, wait till the dimensions of your room start being a little bit more oblique. Bow, now, now, now. Dot, dot. Bam, bam. I think that'll do. <laughs> Did you know that I own UndisclosedLocation.com? No. Shh. 